Hey there. Ho there. Welcome back to Horror-Like Behavior. This is episode three, and I am flying by the seat of my pants here because, listen, I have changed my mind on what movie I wanted this week's episode to be on at least three times. Well, I ended up deciding. Last night, mind you. Now, a lot of people may argue that this movie isn't horror. Same thing with The Craft and Misery, though. It all depends. At the end of the day, people have different fears and phobias. Someone might watch the movie It and laugh while someone else who watches it might be cowering under a goddamn blanket and barely able to watch. Relax, I'm not covering It quite yet. I'll get there. No, this week I'm discussing a movie from 2000, The Gift. IMDb classifies it in the drama, fantasy, horror genre, so don't come for me. This movie is on my top five favorite movies list, but not just my top five horror movies, my favorite movies in general. I know a lot of you have not heard or seen this movie, but let me tell you something. It is great. The cast is amazing, and a lot of people may think that the casting choices were wonky, but to me, they couldn't have been better. Listen, Kate Blanchett, Greg Kinnear, Katie Holmes, who I'm not a huge fan of, but she plays the role really well. Giovanni Ribisi, who is one of the most underrated actors of all time. Hilary Swank, freaking Keanu Reeves, J.K. Simmons, who a lot of you will recognize from his face rather than his name. He played the father in Juno. Um, he's from Whiplash and many other critically acclaimed films. I'm having two of my closest friends over for a movie night soon, and this is the movie that we're going to watch. And I am truly anxious about what they're going to think, because if you can't already tell, I'm pretty passionate about this movie. Just like I am with The Craft. I just have a lot of feelings. With a runtime of 111 minutes, The Gift keeps you engaged and guessing up until its ending. It's directed by Sam Raimi, who is a well-known director with films like Drag Me to Hell, The Evil Dead franchise, the original one, three Spider-Man movies, the ones with Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst, and 2013's As the Great and Powerful. Special note, Drag Me to Hell is everything I ever want a horror movie to be, and I cannot wait to cover it on the podcast. Anyways, so the movie was written by Tom Epperson and surprisingly, Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton has a few other writing credits under his belt as well, including a movie I've liked for forever called Sling Blade. Right, right, potatoes. I uh, used to have that sound bite as my text notification years ago. It was great until it wasn't. Waking up from a nap to that raspy southern man voice one time and getting startled was enough for me to change it with a quickness. But yeah, Sir Billy Bob and Tom Epperson wrote the gift together, which was a gift to us all. Well, in my opinion anyways. IMDb has the shortest and sweetest synopsis for the movie. It says, A fortune teller with extrasensory perception is asked to help find a young woman who has mysteriously disappeared. Nice. But we are obviously going to go deeper than that. The movie begins with a very dark scene. We see a swamp and suddenly in a quick flash you see a naked, 
presumably dead woman sprawled on the ground. We then see a switch to daylight. Boys are playing outside. We have a much different view of the swamp now, with the water and trees being illuminated by the day's light. Then we're finally introduced to the movie's main character, played by Kate Blanchett, Annie Wilson. We quickly find out that Annie reads cards for people for a living. Side note, the one thing in this movie that bothers me quite a bit actually is the cards that Annie uses. So for her readings she uses Zener cards and Zener cards are a set of 25 that um, contain five cards each of different symbols. So um, it's a circle, rectangle, a cross, a star, and two wavy lines. They're used for practicing psychic abilities. So for example an individual would shuffle the cards draw a few, and place them face down, then use their own intuition to try and correctly guess what symbol was on the other side of those cards. The most common cards that are actually used in readings are tarot cards, which many already know. Um, There's 78 total. They each have their own meaning. um, They come in different suits, like wands, swords, cups and pentacles and then there's also uh what's called lenormand cards and i'm so sorry i'm very stuffy and i'm trying to pronounce the m's and n's but it's lenormand um and that has a total of 36 cards and each card also has their own meaning but the cards are more like fox house cross tree stuff like that I personally use both Lenormand and tarot cards in my readings. I just feel like they could have maybe did a bit more research for the movie in order to find a card choice that makes more sense than the Zener cards. Unless I'm missing something, but those have always been, to me, just kind of like a practicing type card for psychic abilities, but not so much as in like something that can help a client figure out like stuff that's going on in their life, if that makes sense. But anywho, in this beginning scene, we're shown right away Annie's overall kindness and care for her clients. She's reading a man's cards and is asking him health-related questions. And he tells her that he hasn't called the doctor, um, even though he has known about something going on. And so she offers to call for him. And I don't know if it's just my experience, but men hate going to the doctor and for sure hate calling to make the appointments to go to the doctor. Anybody else? I don't know. So anyways, later on this day, we find out that Annie is a single mom. She's shown in bed crying while looking at a photo next to her bed of her late husband. And, you know, shout out to all the single parents because being an adult is hard enough without kids, let alone having three boys and being a widow. What a gal. So the next day, Annie's client, Valerie Barksdale, who's played by Hilary Swank, comes in for a reading. And she is donning a fresh black eye from her abusive-ass husband, who is played by Keanu Reeves. And his character is Donnie Barksdale. Now, let me tell you something. Donnie is terrifying. He knows he can get away with all of the things he does and the way he acts. I've never seen Keanu Reeves play such a shithead like Donnie, but fuck. He does it so, so well. So Annie's advice to Valerie is to seek legal help because it's kind of just above 
her head at this point. It's very clear that Annie has already told her multiple times to leave him and she can't really do much more than that. Annie's appointments for the day get interrupted when she gets a call from her son's school saying that he's been in another fight. Um, so she needs to go speak with the principal, Wayne, who's played by Greg Kinnear. Now enter Wayne's fiance, Jessica King, who is played by Katie Holmes. She was visiting him at school, and um, now they live in a small town, and so people know what Annie does for a living, but they don't necessarily understand it. People either think she's crazy or a fake, kind of like a con artist. They don't take her seriously at all. Jessica expresses that she would love to have her fortune told, and Annie then has a vision. A pencil rolls off of Wayne's desk and lands at Jessica's feet, which are bare, wet, and muddy. What's the matter? You see something bad? Now, of course, Annie isn't going to say anything. She just met this woman. She doesn't know exactly what her vision means, so she just kind of excuses herself. In the next scene, we meet Buddy, who is played by Giovanni Rabisi. He's an awkward mechanic who clearly already has a pretty solid friendship with Annie. He says he's going to fix her car door for free, and vocally he says that she has done so much for him. While he's giving her a ride home, he suddenly breaks to a screeching halt out of nowhere. He's clearly in distress and seems even slightly unhinged because Annie is not sure what he's talking about, this blue diamond. Annie tells him, no, he's not going to die. And Buddy lets her know that if she had said yes, he was going to kill himself that very day. Later that night, Annie has a run-in with Donnie Barksdale. He uses racial slurs claims she's a Satan worshiper, and essentially threatens to kill her kids if she doesn't stop seeing his wife, Valerie, for readings. That's my favorite line from the movie. So if you, so if you hear me say it in real life anytime, just uh, mind your business. The next day, we see Annie in the middle of a reading when Valerie Barksdale comes back again. But Donnie barges in and pulls Valerie by the hair, literally drags her out of the house by her hair. Can you imagine witnessing that? I'd like to think I'm not the person who would just idly stand by while something like that happens. But I also know that people react in weird ways in situations like that. Later on in the day, Annie is now outside doing laundry and she has another vision. This time, it's of her grandma, who's obviously already been dead for a while. She's bringing her some persimmons in a basket and telling her that it looks like a storm is coming. The sky turns extremely dark and she has quick flashes of blood and that deceased woman again. Then the sky clears and her grandma is nowhere to be found. Later on, Annie and her friend go to an event at the country club in town where Wayne and Jessica King are also in attendance. You can tell there's an attraction between Annie and Wayne in this scene. At some point, while looking for the restroom, Annie mistakenly opens a door and sees Jessica King hooking up with someone other than her fiancé. Tsk, tsk. Hey, if you don't want to be with someone, 
break up with them instead of acting like a piece of shit and cheating on them. Not too long after Annie sees what she saw, Jessica comes outside where Wayne and Annie are talking, claiming that she had been looking for Wayne everywhere. Bitch, no you weren't. Did you think that you would stumble across him down some other guy's throat? You were out trying to get your nut, ma'am. But anyways, later when Annie is picking up the kids from the neighbor's house, she realizes that someone has broken into her home. She calls the cops the next day, and the cop who comes over is a giant piece of shit. Typical. It's the start of an intense day for her because this is also the day that Buddy takes some of his aggression out on her. He seems to be worse off than that one day in the car. You tell me why I hate him. You're the goddamn sidekick. He's wanting to know why he hates his dad so much. And she can't give him an answer. And so he is kind of spiraling. To top off her shit-tastic day, Annie that night has a nightmare where she's being strangled and she has flashes of that dead body being, you know, thrown on the ground, just like she's been getting throughout the movie already. The next day, we find out that Jessica King is missing. Days go by and Jessica's dad finally ends up calling Annie for help. She's trying her best to read for Jessica's dad, but of course the sheriff is a fucking dickhole and it's really hard for her to pick up on much since she can't concentrate. She does get a little information though that is helpful to the case. That night she has another dream slash vision, uh, which if I were her, I would never want to go to bed again because it's just too much. It's like she hasn't gotten like a goddamn break at all since, you know, everything started happening. So this is the the dream that if you listen to the trailer of the podcast, you know, has a fiddler and this part is the one where I have to like cover my ears and eyes because it kind of just terrifies me. <laughs> but um, yeah, Annie learns a lot from this dream. She finds a fiddler. She is in the swamp. She sees a specific flower. She sees a, um, a split rail fence. And this is all information that she later relays to the sheriff. But before the next day when she does relay this, she actually has another incident. So she wakes up from her nightmare and she goes outside and she has another vision and she sees Jessica King floating in her tree with a chain wrapped around her and one of her eyes is creepily open and I, I don't love that. When Annie tells the sheriff about this, he is, you know, a huge douche canoe about it, but he takes the info anyways and they start combing a pond that is actually on Donnie Barksdale's property. Um, and the reason they went with this one was because, you know, Annie's visions led them there in a way. Donnie Barksdale's property is next door to a man who plays the fiddle. He has a split rail fence and the flowers she saw in her vision are actually on the property as well. At first, while they're combing the pond, they find something they think is Jessica and it turns out to be a bicycle but they keep combing and they do find the body of Jessica King. So Donnie Barksdale is the one who gets arrested 
before the murder. Now, the trial is interesting. It's pretty intense, and poor Annie is just going through it. People of the town are, you know, calling her a witch, saying that she's gonna burn in hell, um, thinking that she had something to either physically do, you know, something with the murder, or think they, that she did witchcraft. It's just a lot of ignorance, and it sucks that she has to go through that when she's the one who helps them find the body. But how do you prove something like that? You can't really give proof that you have, like, a gift because so many people don't believe that there are such things as um, psychic ability. So what do you do? All you can do is tell the truth, and that's what she does. During the trial, um, like I said, Annie is just beside herself. She's accused of things that she didn't do. People are looking at her like she's a monster in a way. And so when Buddy comes to try and get her help for, you know, the issues going on in his life, I don't want to say she disregards his issues because she is a caring individual and, you know, she cares about him, but she just has bigger fish to fry. She needs to worry about herself in that moment. But unfortunately, the fact that she did not help Buddy in that instance did cause him to do something that was not good. Um, that night, Buddy actually ended up setting his father on fire. And I don't want to give too much away about that because it's really interesting as like a side plot type thing. And also super sad. Buddy is a character that I personally loved a lot. And obviously because of his choice to set his father on fire, he went to jail immediately. So, you know, choices. So Donnie Barksdale is found guilty of the murder of Jessica King. I almost said Jessica Day because right now I'm on a new girl kick, but I meant Jessica King. I'm glad that came out right. Um, but Donnie Barksdale is not the murderer, even though he was one of the men she happened to be sleeping with. And he saw her the night she was murdered. So I don't want to give away the real murderer, especially since I know Benny is going to be listening to this and we're going to be watching this movie soon. So, no way. Please watch the movie. Please tell me what you think about it. Don't tell me if you hate it because I don't know if my little heart could take it. My personal rating is 10 out of 10. On IMDb right now, it's at a 6.6 .6 out of 10, which is not too bad. I will leave you with a bad user review on IMDb and this person put a 2 out of 10 said the gift is that kind of Christmas present you return the next day it sucks an uneven inaccurate and jumbled mess with terrible performances and horrific southern accents I mean for god's sake Keanu Reeves is a redneck who cast this flick nonetheless can't Hollywood accurately portray a southerner it's like they've never met anyone from there. Giovanni Ribisi is the only real gift. He and his crowbar made the flick for me, but the never-ending story with subplot after subplot made it hellish to sit through. What was Billy Bob smoking? Sam Raimi offers some moody and at times surreal visuals, but it's all for naught and his talents are wasted. Did I mention Katie Holmes' breasts? Well, they're great, but don't blink because you'll miss them. Bring a pillow. But see, that bad review is sandwiched right next to 10. A 10 out of 10, 
a 9 out of 10, another 9 out of 10, another 9 out of 10. I just want more people to watch this movie so I can talk about it with them. So, if you want to be that person, please watch it. Let's discuss. Send me a gmail at horrorlikebehavior at gmail.com or as always you can go ahead and hit me up on the instagram page which is at horror underscore like underscore behavior if there are still people out there who have pictures of their stickers somewhere send them to me i gave out so many stickers so i know there are more of you okay do that all right see you later